What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode eight of In Between Sets podcast with me, Sam Brown. Um, this episode is very, very cool. I got to sit down with Taylor Gohn. Um, He is a high-level strongman competitor, uh, fucking awesome coach in the powerlifting, strongman, bodybuilding realm. He is somebody that I have seen for the last couple of years just do tremendous things, not only in his sport, but with his athletes, with the people that he coaches. And he has such an amazing philosophy when it comes to training that is very, very important for everybody to hear. Um, We had a really cool conversation. We jumped into different things like uh, training for strongman. Um, He even mentions, we talk about steroids a little bit, talking about performance enhancing drugs and and mindset and, and going into different sort of directions with how you think about training, how you approach training and how best to get the most out of your training. His principles based programming is, is really, really cool. And, and if you guys haven't heard of him, haven't seen him, please stick around. This is uh, he's an absolute fucking gem in the industry and truly is a master of his craft. And, and the coolest thing is, is that we are, are both very similar in the way that we just want to throw ourselves into experiences to gain the most out of it. That's what he did with powerlifting. That's what he, he's, you know, he jumped into the strongman world and it's that sort of experiential learning, willing to learn by doing the thing that is, is a really cool trait to have. And, and he has such an amazing story that I know you guys will enjoy this very, very much. So, um, as always, this podcast is sponsored by practicemovement.com. For all your online coaching, programming, consultation needs, check out practicemovement.com. There we go. Bills are paid. Um, (laughs) I appreciate you guys checking this out. Uh, We're creeping up on 10 episodes. I never thought that would be a thing, uh, to be honest, because it's it's been kind of crazy with technology. It's been crazy with scheduling. And uh, I'm just trying to be as consistent as I possibly can. So I appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate you sharing this. And as always, if you share this, please tag me at Sam Brown Strength or In Between Sets Podcast on Instagram um, and just kind of spread the word. So without further ado, um, we're jumping into episode eight of In Between Sets Podcast with Taylor Gohn. All right, I think we're good. God forbid something else fucks up on me. I swear. Yeah. Like every every week this gets a little bit more and more. <laughs> um, Taylor, thank you for jumping on with me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, you actually, we've had I've had multiple people reach out to me to say that you needed to get on, and I'm an absolute fan of that idea. Well, that's, that's really cool to hear. Uh, th- thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, before we kind of get into things, we met just a, how long ago was that? A couple months ago? That, yeah, that was at the Arnold. That was the first weekend in March at yep. your place. Yeah. Yeah. And you were an absolute mutant. People don't, I don't think people realize how large of a human being you are. It's <laughs> I, I'm always, I'm always standing next to Ben and he fucking owns that angle game, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it was, it was, it was amazing to have you out and it was amazing to just see, um, you guys just throwing some serious fucking weight around. You were training for a show at that point, weren't you? Yeah, um, I was. Uh, this is this last show I did, Rainer Classic. That was like, that must have been like twelve weeks out. So it was just just getting into things at that yep, point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how did you end up doing there? No, well, I got my ass kicked. Um, but it was the heaviest show I ever did, and I, I can't say you know up up until now I've almost been kind of disappointed with. Um, 
some of the competitive aspects I've ran into with strongman because it seems like there's always some sort of uh, contest like fuckery that goes wrong as to why you didn't perform your best. Right. And I, I've always just been really frustrated because I've never gotten my ass thoroughly kicked where it was like everyone was better than me and I felt like, yeah, I'm this is where I belong. Mm-hmm. Or I had some easy win where it was like, I don't even really belong at this level of athletics or I got hurt because of something was wrong with the equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was the first show that I thoroughly got my ass kicked and all by heavyweights that I had to train hard for. So I was, that was an optimal outcome for me. I liked that. Well, that's funny. I mean, people forget that it's, it's called strongman and not fast man. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> I've seen so many shows, even the last show I did, they ended up fucking up the stones at the end. So it went from the stones being, can you complete that? Like for most people, they probably would have had a hard time completing it to which mm-hmm. is being a drag race. Whereas the difference was yeah. half a second between first and second and second and third. Yeah. There, there's kind of a nice sweet spot with picking those events because you want to see a race, right? You want to see some of those top guys competing to finish, but you also want to see the majority of that middle of the pack kind of struggling, maybe not even finishing all the way. Right. Absolutely. So I, I want to break into, to, into Strongman a little bit. How long have you been competing in Strongman? Um, my first competition was Michigan's Strongest Man 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a I took a three or four year break in between where I didn't do any competitions at all. But I've been involved since 2014 was the first athlete that I coached in a show. Mm-hmm. And now you not only coach Strongman athletes, you coach bodybuilders, powerlifters, do you kind of touch in all sorts of strength sports? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, you've studied conjugate pretty close and you, you understand that all of those methods kind of came from how do we train athletes mm-hmm. across all sports with the same system that's just modified depending on the requirements of the sport. Right. So <laughs> that's kind of been my approach to the strength sports. So how long have you been coaching athletes for? Same amount of time or a little bit longer? 2000, yeah, 2014 is when I started. So it was mostly personal training. And honestly, the, that first athlete that I had was like, um, she was just a master's, you know, older female client who kind of did it like she would want to do. She was just like, yeah, I want to go do a marathon this week. I want to do a CrossFit this week. And so she's like, I want to do strongman. I was like, what the hell is that? Is that what I used to watch on TV? And she was like, yeah, I got some stones from a friend. She brought them in. And I was like, I was getting, I was actually eight weeks out from a powerlifting meet. I was going to do single ply meet. And mm-hmm. when they brought the stones in, um, I just abandoned my program and started lifting stones every day and logs. And just, it was so much fun that I kind of almost like went off that, like, back to the newbie just like fucking off and maxing out thing again mm-hmm. because it was just so fun um so yeah that kind of deterred me from initially i got into all this because of multiply and single ply mm-hmm. but uh yeah so how did that multiply and single ply go for you initially i really didn't i only had one one shirted session um i i loved squatting and deadlifting in a suit i got a lot out of them even the one session in the shirt i had went really well um i've always really really liked it and i've always had the intent of pursuing it at some point but 
you know how these things go. It's kind of like a, a long-term venture, so I do want to complete my project here before going into something else. So you are currently, your main goal is Strongman, right? Mm -hmm. What is the uh, next competition you're going to be into? Um, uh, hopefully a clash qualifier in January. That's the intent. Um, I, the main, I have less competition goals and more just kind of partial goals of strongman. I'd really like to have an attempt at the 231 circus dumbbell record. Um, same with the stone load record. Um, so there's some certain lifts of the sport that I really, really like. Um, and competition is kind of more so for fun and for research. But mm -hmm. yeah, Clash ideally is what's going to happen next if I can make the cut. Absolutely. What is that uh, circus dumbbell record for the two? I believe uh, Clayton has it at two seventy right that's, now. That's a fucking it's nasty. Yeah. That's a fucking dumbbell, man. Yeah. And that's what it, and, and it's and it's funny because you see, I don't think if people that aren't into strongman or are aware of the sport, they think just because they think the big guys, right? They think the Eddie Hall, the Brian Shaw, they think of the, the new age, bigger humans, but the fucking 231 class is Nasty. unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. Like pound nice. for pound, fucking way stronger. Mm -hmm. And they're pushing the same numbers that the big guys are. Mm -hmm. Some of them, yeah. Some yeah. of them, not, I mean, deadlifting and squatting is a bit hard, right? Right, right. Log press is hard, but that dumbbell is, you know, you, you look at the positioning requirements of it and you start to say, you can only be so big and maintain that thoracic extension and that lat positioning and all that and the hips. And so it's, I, I do think there's probably an optimal weight unless you're built like a freak, like Martins or Novakov, where it's like that 250, 260 range is probably going to be your best pressers. Yeah. But look at, did you watch Uncle Nick's press? Yeah. yeah. Dude, 250 something at that class. That's what I'm saying. I think the small guys are going to win that one. And I think what I thought you did that was really, really cool. I saw a video that you posted kind of breaking down like the circus dumbbell technique, just mm -hmm. even the angles and understanding what you're trying to do. Because I think so many people go into uh, strongman and they don't, they do not respect the technique necessary to move those weights, right? Mm -hmm. They think it's just a brute strength thing. But when you're talking about a circus dumbbell, you're talking about needing to be quick, needing to have that snap. Then you look at somebody like Nick Canby who is getting under insane weights with that split jerk, with that speed and athleticism. And I know that he has a wrestling background. Mm -hmm. He was actually from, uh, he went to school in the same state that I was from. So he, he, and he was a wrestler. So it's like, again, it's that athletic background and understanding kind of how to move your body. But that's one of the cool things that I noticed about your, the stuff you put out in your, your coaching style is you're amazingly technical. Right. You, you think about the minutia, you think about the little things and all those little details add up to a really, really cool thing. Yeah. 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 I, for me, um, I like when things move fast and I like when things move pretty. And, um, I also kind of realized like, you know, you look at Olympic lifters, you look at wrestlers, that's kind of where I came from. And the way we trained was just singles, doubles and triples, just, perfect over and over and over again very very rarely are we going into the max effort and we're always just bringing that bottom end up with with better and better speed um and so uh, that's i mean i tell ben that all the time he's like he 
the squat is something that for me is one of my favorite lifts, but I always joke around. I'm like, my, my goal, I push my RPE eight squat because I like seeing a really fast and pretty squat. Yeah. I don't like grindy squats. And so he doesn't understand like, well, why don't you push maximal squat? And I'm like, well, I like seeing it go fast and it also just fucking hurts. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it, that is different than someone like a, uh, like a Dan Green. Have you seen his his sets? Yeah. Like, and I, but I love watching it. those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not for me. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's funny because it's, it, and this is what I kind of wanted to go into a little deeper with you is just your even philosophies of coaching and and how you get your athletes ready, because I the things that I see you doing I appreciate so much, and and like you said is is just moving the weights well building up mm-hmm. that technical skill over the course of time and just getting better and better and better week to week. And I think in strongman, people forget, like, like I mentioned before, the technical skill of it. It's yeah. like you're drilling that shit with your athletes and yourself, right? Yeah. And you know, one thing I always, cause I struggle with this and, and when I'm sitting down programming, we, we all struggle with it. They think, Oh man, we got to add weight to the bar. We got to get this stronger, but strong is strong. Right. So, mm-hmm. If one thing's getting stronger, the rest of the body's getting stronger as long as you're doing it right. And right. that's kind of what's brought me together on some of that stuff, especially with strongmen, where there's so many things that need to be strong. You really have to be picky on what you pick to get strong, and the rest of it is all just technical work. Absolutely. Together, right? Yeah, and, and, and I think that's such a good takeaway to have is because, like, especially if you're new to strongman and you're like, your first step should be to not like eventually just not zero the events, right? Like that should be the first goal. In my opinion, strength needs to be the last priority in your prep. Strength and hypertrophy should be done when you enter that eight to 12 weeks out. You're already strong enough to hit anything on any given day. It just might not be strong enough to hit it at your best all in the same day. So that prep is dedicated to the implements, the conditioning, the speed, the the transitions between events, the nutrition, everything else, because, you know, we have so many energy systems to train. You got to think like, how can I, you know, kill the most birds with the least amount of stones per se. Right. And I, it, just as an idea for any sort of content that you have on your end, I would love to see you even just pick an event, a random strongman show, and like this is what I would do for a program for that. I think that would be a cool thing to see. Actually, that's something I'm glad. It's funny you brought that up because uh, Jody and I, my girlfriend, uh, we're uh, working on. We're, we're over this next course of the year. We're going to come out with ten to twelve programs, all on popular shows. That people are doing uh, so it's just our take on how we would train just a general mm-hmm. um person try to set it because i mean i'm sure you've seen like i i like when someone can apply what i have to their own thing so you know maybe these programs aren't just traditional black and white programs that kind of have like hey you know maybe this is how th- this get this takeaway from it to apply to your own prep or i don't know i'm just trying to think of uh more accessible ways that we can get people ready for these shows. Um, 
I'm just talking on my ass. No, you're good, man. I, but I, I think that's an awesome tool because Dude, so your face is frozen in a is very it? concerned look. And so this last five minutes, like I'm just in trouble. You're just like mm. <laughs> the audio sounds good, man. The audio sounds good. Um, yeah, man. I and I think that's that's important to do because there are, as you know, like there are lifters out there that are strong, are brutally strong, but they don't have that direction. They don't have the knowledge of, of programming and whatnot and to be able to provide them at least a solid base and a resource. That's fucking awesome. Because if you can positively impact their readiness for a show, then you have just up leveled the entire strongman community yeah, to, that, you know, to, just to a much smarter level. Yeah. That's, that's my, that's my theory is that if we get the lowest guys as knowledgeable and as strong as possible, that's only going to push the bigger guys stronger. That's only going to make the competitive guys a deeper class. And um, it's, it's just going to make everything better in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm going to be on the lookout for that shit because it's, it's so interesting to see the different takes, even if it, you can have two coaches programming for the same show and it's going to mm -hmm. look completely different. But as a coach myself, to be able to see it, it's a it's a way for people to look into your brain and to mm -hmm. see like how what principles you follow, what sort of a hierarchy of needs that you have. And it, it, as an athlete, it's it's even more important to see because it's like, OK, what do I need to be ready for when the time comes? Right. Because as yeah. an athlete, I think a lot of the times you get so sucked up into the the day to day and process that you don't see the big picture. Right. So you, I'm sure you've worked with athletes being like, why the fuck are we doing this? Yes. And then you stop, explain everything, right? But it's to see that big picture is super, super valuable. And that's awesome that you guys are doing that because you're both strong as fuck. <laughs> She's way stronger. <laughs> no, it's, it's fucking great to see, man. Yeah, no, she is fucking strong as shit. Holy hell, man. Yeah, she's pretty nasty. Those deadlifts are crazy. It's unreal. And that's yeah. the coolest shit. Like I love seeing that, like because yeah. it, like it just seems like everybody's just, for the most part, as a collective, just getting stronger and stronger. And people are hitting numbers. You're like, okay, I got to step my own fucking game up here. Oh yeah, like that, that the Josh and Adam hitting that 500 pound stone at 231 this last year. You know, the dumbbell is getting absolutely insane just in every class, max and for reps. I remember 2018 was the last show that I did before this last one. And my dumbbell weight was 200 pounds. The heavyweights was 230. And everybody was like, what the fuck are they thinking? That is way too heavy. And now it's like, we've got, and that was at the, that was at the heavyweight class. So now we've got 231, you know, up to 220 pounds in their show that, you know, that was, that was the uh, Arnold weight. Yeah. Not too long ago when um, I think Poundstone won that event, like seven or eight reps or something like that. But that was uh, not too long ago. Mm. And I was at the show, I think it was in North Carolina. I think Clayton set that dumbbell record there. Was that the one? I don't remember. It was in like 20. 20... It was on a Bartos. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was the one. And, and I remember being there as a, it was a two thirty. I was in the two thirty one class, and I was like, "It was one of those shows where I was like, I'm gonna get my fucking ass kicked. I'm gonna love every second of it." Oh yeah. So I get there, and it's like Clayton, Matt Mills, 
Uh, I forgot who else was in the class. Uh, Furman was there. Furman was competing. Man, you got passed around then, huh? Well, my God, I was like, I was like, this isn't fun for me. <laughs> but it was just such a cool thing to see because you need to see what the top guys are doing. Yes. And yes. to be like, oh, I thought I was a bad motherfucker. Yes. Turns out, not a bad motherfucker at all. <laughs> yeah, and not, yeah, so, like it's. I found that too. It's the humbling thing, and I've I've found the actual like, oh. I can tangibly see what the human limit is now and I can go mm -hmm. further because in my own head, I was like, yeah, this is as far as you can go. And then you kind of see with the, I've always had the sensation after a show with how tired I am, how much I was loaded up on drugs in comparison to my age in the sport, mm -hmm. how, how fat I was and like immobile I felt. And then to what those guys could do, I kept going back to like, okay, this is, this is about long-term development. There's just like way, way more to this. And you can just go so much further if you're willing to just take that time, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's a good point that I, I want to touch on with you as well is, is the whole drug conversation. It's almost like you need to have a certain base of, mm -hmm. of strength, a certain base of time in the sport to really get the most out of using any sort of substance, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it, it's medicine, right? It's, it's a pharmaceutical. It's that, that's what it was intended for. And then we start abusing it. We can call it a drug. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, I'm sure you've had those cycles where you just feel like you get to the end of it and you're just like, wow, I'm, I'm tired. And like, it just like feels like a lot. Um, and then I, I've also had cycles like more recently where there's some of the smaller or more moderate ones. And I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm like earning every bit of this, every bit of it is being utilized and I don't want more than this. And it is because it's been when my training and my diet is periodized correctly with the proper compounds. And I've also put myself mentally in a spot where like I can take that on. I don't have other stuff going on. So I think like really for the drugs to work their best at the the minimum like for you to get the most bang for your buck right like you really got to line everything up and understand like okay if i'm going to use them that requires that i am training and eating at a more than human level and mm -hmm. i need that to like recover from that level of eating and training and um the only way that you can really commit to that level of training is ironing out everything in your life so that you have a good, you know, period of eight to 12 weeks to dedicate to that, that you don't have to fuck around basically. Mm. And when I was working with Andy Triana, he was mm -hmm. always, I was always picking his brain, right? Like I just wanted to learn, he's like a fucking machine. I just wanted to know as much as I possibly could. And he was saying the environment in which you introduce any sort of drug is mm -hmm. as important as the compound itself. Absolutely. I, and I think he is, correct me if I'm wrong, but he is probably one of the only ones in the industry that also kind of plays around with this idea of periodizing the mind. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So that's he, uh, the one thing I noticed from him. Yeah, he's, it was amazing because he would have you start your day because it, it didn't matter who he was working with. He was always trying to get the uh, 
anything, if they were taking even like insulin or whatever, to have the environment that is leaning more towards cognitive growth mm-hmm. as opposed to another stressor, right. right? Because for example, if you were to pin whatever in a stressed out state, it's not going to have the same sort of impact if you were in like, yes, this is good. This is what we want to do. Right. And he just brings that whole level in and mm-hmm. like he, he himself was a fucking freak, but he has worked with some tremendously strong and powerful people. Yeah. No. Think, like all the little stuff matters. One of my favorite um, uh, team combos to watch right now is um, um, Cotton and Triani because it's like you've got this guy who's a fucking animal, just the absolute rage monster, and then you've got Triani who's just like the master of the brain, and (laughs) it's going extremely well. So it's been a fun one to keep track of. Yeah, it's cool. It, and it just, it's, it's one of those things where you're, you're very much like me. You don't want to walk into a room and be like the guy, right? You want to mm-hmm. fucking learn every opportunity you can. Yeah. And working with him and just being surrounded by people like him. I, mean, I went to, I mean, I would go to lightning fitness. I would hang out with Matt Mills and like that whole crew. And just, just to look around and be like, motherfucker, these guys are mutants. Yeah. Like, and it's, it does. You're right. It like opens up a part of your brain that says you can do this now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's how I was just a local fucking whatever coaching. Just like, I mean, just my guys in my hometown, Ben came along. I didn't really even have social media. I mean, I had an Instagram, but I don't really know anything about it. And I just like, didn't really pay too much attention. Ben came along and looking at him, I'm like, this guy clearly knows some shit that I want to know. Mm-hmm. And he trained at a gym that was an hour away from where I lived at the time. And I was like, I'm going to show up every single day. I didn't even know him. I was just like, I, I'm going to catch what time he trains and I'm going to train every single day when he trains. And I'm just going to just watch and observe the difference. And it was crazy because what I started to notice is I was like, Oh, he's no different than high level wrestlers. I, I, need to stop thinking about this as like so different and like like so cool i just need to go back to what i had learned in college wrestling like he's he just lives it you know Mm -hmm. and um there's really nothing special and then just yeah after getting to be friends and giving him a million handoffs and spots and talking and stuff you kind of start to see like this isn't if anything it's even more simple at that level um and it's just it's such a simplified thing you know as opposed to this like i always talk about powerlifting and strongmen used to be like wwe to me where i just kind of saw it from a distance and i'm like oh yeah that's pretty fucking crazy i'll just kind of stick stick here to my own business mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I like and that. It, yeah and it's you're right i mean ben probably is one of the he's you just see him from a distance and you're just like what the fuck is that like he is he's a fucking he is an awesome specimen like Mm -hmm. in whatever he's doing he's he's putting his 100 percent into that right yeah lifting he was a fucking freak and Mm -hmm. now he's what 240 like he's he was powerlifting at 181 and now he's 240 stage weight stage weight was 245 he's looking at like 260 Holy shit. Motherfucker's a professional now. <laughs> yeah, that's the real deal. Yeah. And so when did you guys meet? COVID. Like, 
that's yeah, like so April twenty twenty. Get the fuck out! February, I thought it was way earlier than that. March, no, I thought Kaylor Wollum was going to walk into my gym because someone said that Doctor Deadlift guy moved <laughs> into town. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! But yeah, man, I um the the other thing I wanted to kind of touch base on with yeah. you is, is the whole we start to see it a lot. And we had a little bit of a conversation about this prior to recording is the new wave of athlete, new wave of coaches, right? And almost like the passing of the torch from the old way of doing things to the new way of doing things. You see it a lot um, on social media, a bunch of fucking old heads saying, this sucks, you'll never get any better. But then you have athletes like, and coaches like Andy Triana who, is literally doing things the complete opposite mm-hmm. <laughs> as what people have done in the past. What have you seen on your end in terms of like the old way of doing things versus the new wave? I don't really think it's that different. I think if you actually looked at like Andy's system and you know how he's um, like training his athletes, just just from my, what I've kind of noticed from Tyler, like as far as training goes, there's really nothing new that the Soviets haven't discovered. Mm -hmm. And right now it's more so about how to annually structure that with an athlete, because in strength sports, we don't have this chronological year that every other sport has set up for itself. Right. And so there's just a lot of jumbledness with random periodization and random phases of fucking hypertrophy at this time, because that's just what, we've been telling each other. So I think it's a combination. I think the old guys got to let go a little bit. And I think the new guys got to be open-minded enough to, to realize like, look, dude, the only way you're going to be special and unique is by being able to apply what's already there Mm -hmm. better because we're not reinventing. No one needs to reinvent the wheel. You don't need to make yourself special through your programming or like your movement selection or whatever it is, you just need to do it better because it's already been done. Mm. And, and, and obviously results fucking Trump, everything else, right? Everything. Yeah. If, if you can't, if you're not getting the job done and if your athletes aren't getting better, it doesn't matter what you say, what you do. It's obviously yeah. not fucking working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, one thing like I've noticed, um, and th- this might not even be an ego thing. This just might be a pure misunderstanding or a um, just almost an integrity move of like, I, well, I feel like, you know, he programmed this way. So I have to have this completely like new way. And it's like, no, like you, you can take a little piece of that and, and make it yours and apply it differently. And it's not stealing. It's not taking. It's like we have a finite number of way to do things when we're talking about putting on tissue and lifting a fucking barbell. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it, it really comes down to the specific athlete and refining the application process and, uh, yeah, I, I think that's that. That's what I see a lot of in young coaches is one, they think they they have to be different, whether it's because of their ego or because of they're just wanting, they're just lack of understanding of how 
you know, to go about things. Um, and then the old guys need to understand that they were those young guys and they were fucking off trying to find out what works and doing stupid shit. And that's why we have what they have. So there is a place for that experimentation and needs to be done. And perhaps the older guys can help guide a little bit more receptively than just being like, Oh, you're fucking dumb. And then yeah. vice versa. And I like to use the example of like, okay, if, if you're a carpenter and there's another carpenter down the road, you're both going to use a fucking hammer. Like just cause the other carpenter <laughs> uses a hammer yeah. doesn't mean you're like, no, 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 we can do this way better. I can do it with my skull, motherfucker. Back up. <laughs> right. I'll use my pecker for this. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And, and it's that it, it really boils down to how well you can connect with your athletes, understand their goals and best use the tools at your, uh, in your arsenal to help them. Right. Yeah. Like, it, and, and that's one of the things that I find I'm finding more. I mean, having spent the last year at elite and getting in touch with a lot of really cool people, um, mm -hmm. also a lot of guys that have been in the business for years and years and years and years is like the newer wave of coaches have a tendency to, like you had said, kind of overcomplicate things mm -hmm. because they, they see the older, the older way of doing things as too simple or that doesn't work or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the best attributes of the younger coaches is their willingness and desire to absorb as much information as possible, almost to their detriment. How many times yes. have you seen young coaches who are like taking all the latest certifications, learning as much as possible, talking about it, and then just like not fucking doing it? Yep. I've, I've done it. I've done it with my athletics. I've done it with my coaching where it's just like, okay, buddy, you've learned enough. Quit questioning yourself. Go do it. So. Yeah, yeah, that's tough, and it is because I I was in the exact same boat. Honestly, right over quarantine, like twenty twenty, I was fucking just like trying to gain as much information as I could, and then when you're at the other end of it, you're like, I know all this new stuff, and they're just fucking looking at it. You're like, but I'm not helping anybody. <laughs> yes, and then in the same note, when you've ran out of stuff to teach, and it, it's time again, like there will be another time where you it'll be kind of hard to peel away and go back into learning mode, mm -hmm. but. I think that's where the best of the best are made is who can keep going through that the longest back and forth. Yeah. And now you're doing, you just did a seminar too, didn't you? Yeah. How'd that go? It was fun. Yeah. Um, ben Pauly and I, he's, he's a strong man. I think mostly multiply coach, but he's got a good group of strong men. And um, I actually kind of, the point of the seminar was kind of about what you mentioned earlier is that we both talked about how we annually plan and how we would get a strong man ready for a show on the same events. And we walked through our processes and it was funny because, you know, him being a conjugate max effort guy, he's coming at from everything from like, okay, if my guys can hit 120% of contest weight, then they'll be strong enough. And me coming from the other side, I'm like, well, if we can, you know, make a hundred percent or 80%, then we'll be, we'll be good. And it's just funny that like, we have completely different systems that are really operate on the same, same things, you know? Mm. Now, yeah. And that's, and I think that's going to be, I think there's going to be a more of a resurgence with seminars for sure, because that's I the hope so. 
Dude, that's the best way to learn. Like I, me personally, next time you have one, I'm going to fucking go because I want to, I love the idea of connecting with people and just picking each other's brain. Let's do one together. Fuck yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I feel so fucking limited by virtual coaching. Like I need to get in there because it's, it's such a, a big difference. Right. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's something that people forget exist because mm -hmm. there is Obviously, you've been doing this for a while. I've been doing this for a while. The art of working with somebody in person versus remotely is night and day different. The yeah. amount of input you get from somebody in person, being able to just watch their body language, their temperament, how they moved, you know, it, what's going on. You just get that full sort of experience that you lose virtually. I'm not yes. saying you can't coach somebody virtually, but I am saying that like in person learning Holy shit, that's night and day. Yeah, and just purely from a purely from an impression standpoint, I mean, you see how I come across online sometimes. It's a little bit a little bit more abrasive than I'd like to, and that's just because I don't know how technology works. <laughs> but it's but it's so good because it still. I'm st that's one of the things that the old school guys do well is they have no fucking filter. Yeah, that's why I get along with them well. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, me too. It's like okay, they're just. It's like grandpa's saying this shit again. Like, yep. oh no, he's talking about the war. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I think it's, you're doing such a great job of, of um, just connecting knowledge that you have with the people that, you know, follow your stuff and just anybody that wants to know how to get strong. And I think you also have that experience of throwing yourself in there and being like, all right, I'm going to get really fucking strong. Because you said something earlier that I think is, totally understated in the in the the whole field is you did powerlifting as a means of research and i yep. did the same thing when it came to multiply i was like yes. i just i need to learn this thing by doing the thing mm -hmm. and so that's so fucking awesome to see and i mean realistically it's how i got into strongman my buddies were like hey there's this there's this thing that we're doing we we lift these rocks and like fucking <laughs> pull trucks with like a fucking harness on or whatever and it was like, oh, I, the only way I can learn about this is by doing it. Science. Science. <laughs> uh, but yeah, man, I, I give you credit for that because that's the experiential learning is is where you gain such a tremendous amount of knowledge. Yeah, I, I can't read a fucking book to save my life. So that's my only option. <laughs> well, it's great, man. Like it really is because it, it's it gives you that insight. It gives yeah. you that the language to talk to somebody about it. Right. I, I, I can't imagine how much knowledge you gain from just even training with Ben, with the whole bodybuilding thing, like just as many people that you work with all over the globe, all over the fucking gamut of, of strength sports, like it's because you've done them. It's because you, you fucking train like that. And that's, that's massively important for you, but also for the people listening is go out and just try the fucking thing. Like just sign up for a powerlifting meet and compete and see what happens. Right. If you're yeah. a coach, and I think that if coaches aren't competing in something, right? Like it doesn't have to be the top of top of the top of the fucking heap, but it's like they have to have something that drives them. You know? Yeah, at the at the very least, it needs to be evident that they're doing research in some way, right? Like mm -hmm. you're at least training really hard, trying to figure out whatever it is that you need yeah. to give to your athletes. And I think that walk the walk, talk the talk thing, I think is, is you can tell the people that are that are doing it and you can tell the people that aren't doing it. Right. 
I, I was, uh, when I was the first couple months I was at elite, there was like a internal battle between a couple people on the, on the team. They were bitching at each other online. And I was like, I, we were, it was like me and Dave in the gym. And I look at my watch. I'm like, they're both coaches and they're bitching at each other online at five o'clock on a Wednesday. Like something yeah. fucked up. <laughs> like you guys should be coaching right now. You shouldn't be bitching at each other on Facebook. Yeah. You guys, um, finish your program updates earlier or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And it's, and that's the thing that drives me nuts too, is I understand that we're going to have differences in opinions and people can post shit. And a lot of the times people are just looking for a certain amount of shock value in the things that they say, or like the, it's the old adage with like, like Louie, like Louie would always be like, this is the only way to train. This is whatever. But it's like, that's his thing. Like, of course he's going to say that. Why would he not? Yeah. He's, got, he's got fucking books and equipment to sell. Yeah. But like yeah. in the real world, that extremist, like it has to be one way is, is awful, especially it because exist. Yeah. shit is fine, right? Yeah. No, it's, um, and that, that is one thing that I see with some, some of the not as good coaches is, is the just push all the time drugs, competing, food, there's no downtime on any of it. And you watch these athletes break mentally and physically. And it's just really sad because these are some of the most promising athletes that are going to, would have had the potential to break some of the biggest barriers. Um, we don't get to see them do it. Yeah. It, and how, for example, I mean, I, Obviously, with with all your athletes, it's going to be a little bit different. But overall, do you put caps on your athletes and say, hey, man, like you want to compete three times this year, but we should probably only do two or we should only do one or like whatever? Yeah. Yeah. We talk about that. I mean, it's it's really hard for me because you, you go off feedback, right, as a coach, especially in the virtual uh, platform. So if I have someone, they get excited and they're like, let's do this one. I'm feeling really good. And then two or three weeks in, they're like, yeah, maybe I don't know if this is the right call. So I'm, I'm, get, I'm having to get a little bit better about seeing like, you know what, maybe right post-contest isn't the best time for them to pick their next show out just because they're going to be so excited. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I have found that sometimes, but, you know, when it's more of like the, hey, like I want to do this, this, and this, like, okay, well, I'm going to tell you this is going to be probably our best route. I figure out like, okay, what's the underlying goal? Well, I want a pro card. Okay. Well, you don't need, you don't need these three shows that don't pertain to the pro card, you know? Uh, yeah. So it is kind of hard because I want everyone to do what they want to do. And at the end of the day, it's their call. Um, but I do try to at least tell them my opinion and do what they want with that. Yeah, absolutely. So in, in that vein of, of sort of the coaching aspect of things. If somebody wanted to, cause we've had people, I've had people reach out to me and say, Hey, can you talk more about strongman and like how to train for it and what to do? If someone is just off the street, wants to train, wants to do a first strongman show, how would you say, what resources would you have for people to learn how to train or what to do for that specific, for that specific event? Well, that's a good question because it's it's a hard one for me to answer because part of me wants to say figure it out because mm -hmm. that's part of the nature of it. And when I did my first one, I had no feeling of like, 
oh my gosh, I need this thing to teach me how to do it. I looked at it and then I figured it out, whether it was by traveling to gyms, asking people, tr trial and error, whatever it was. So there's part of me that thinks it is important to just go figure it out. Um, but then on the same note, because it is just really hard, especially like depending on where you live, there might be just absolutely nothing. Um, are you asking from like purely a training standpoint or from like a resource? All, any, all of the above. <clears throat> I guess like resource standpoint would kind of be like um, <laughs> a better starting strongman, like kind of what the intent of that was supposed to be. Right. Um, um, you know, it's such a, it's such a like niche sport that it's, the, the people doing it that are the best to put out the information are just too busy doing it and being fucking strong men, you know? <laughs> um, so it, it's a little hard just based on the nature of like who, who it attracts. Um, um, training wise, it's overhead pressing and deadlifting grip and carrying and, um, I would say picking picking shows that have, you know, things that you can at least halfway practice and not doing anything that's just like, oh, wow, that's just like so weird and different. Mm -hmm. I have no way to fucking prepare for that. You know what I mean? So I'd at least very much make sure like I can at least prepare for it to some degree. Yeah. Um, it's it's a hard question. I, I wish I had a better answer. I think that's kind of also why you and I are here and doing all this is to provide that. Hmm. Well, I, years, I right? yeah, for sure, absolutely. And and I and that's one of the hardest things is is I was talking to an athlete uh, that I'm kind of working with here um, right in Ohio, and he wants to do his first show, mm -hmm. and it will vary from person to person. You can tell when someone really wants to do it versus mm -hmm. just kind of talking about it or they like the idea of it. This guy was committed. He's like, I want to throw myself to the wolves. And I was like, all right, look up whatever shows are in the area in, within driving distance and just commit, just throw yourself in there. Just figure it the yeah. fuck out. Right. Yeah. And he signed up and he's like, Oh, it's, it's that beer muscles show out in uh, Pennsylvania. So it's like all keg related things. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have a fucking keg in sight. I'm like, all right, well, we're going to figure this one out together, man. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. But it, it's uh, so it's like a Ukrainian deadlift with kegs, which is whatever it, it is, what it is. Then it's like a keg overhead press. And then it's like a fucking, I think it's a keg loading and it, just like keg, 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 yeah. keg thing. And I'm like, dude, you fucking picked the absolute winner of the a show. <laughs> bring your first one. It's like, oh, that looks fun. Oh, wait, like maybe it's not that fun. Yeah, <laughs> but I and I told him, I go, listen, like you didn't have, you don't have to do that one. There's going to be more. Mm -hmm. But I fucking love the attitude. If he yeah. will roll in at like two fifty body weight, do like heavyweight novice, and just figure this shit out, fuck yeah, man, like a hundred percent. That's the best yeah. way to do that. But I also don't want him to put any sort of uh, any part of his ego on how he's going to do on this show because yeah. it's going to be a clusterfuck. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, there's 
Keg's a hard one to prepare for. I really don't like that event at all in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> no, not even close. Not even close. It's, it's, awful. <laughs> it's like, but what I did you, what did you guys look and see? Like, I'm trying to imagine how that event was invented, and I'm just like, did you guys fucking forget something and then look around and that was the next thing that was there? They're like, we only have <laughs> access to a brewery. What oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and it's and it's been cool to kind of see that, and I and I think training for strongman, I mean, honestly, gets you just better. It just puts you in a better position to do other things, right? And I'm sure you've seen that with powerlifting. I'm sure you've seen that with a lot of things. And it's funny. I, I was talking to to uh, Adam, right? You you know Adam, obviously. And uh, which one? Oh yeah, see, yeah. Yep. Yep. He uh, he's. He's obviously getting ready for worlds now, but when it was in his like an off season, he's like, all right, I'm going to hook up this Zercher harness to the belt squat. I go, dude, why don't you just fucking pick something up in front of you? He's like, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 He's one of the last like true old school gems. That's just going to mm-hmm. fucking die with the old way of things. And I love it. And I know that he, and it's, I time it. Every time he tries to get off a bench, I'm like, all right, this is like a 20 second ordeal. <laughs> he's a, he's the littlest guy I know. And he knows what it's like to be fat. Yeah. He's just lives it. I'm like, why are you, why are you breathing so heavy? You weigh 159 pounds. <laughs> yeah. He's a good one. But it's, it's, it's cool to be in that environment. And, and I've, I've kind of had conversations with a lot of the other guests on, on, the importance of a good crew and just being surrounded by people that kind of help support you. Would you, what would you say is, I mean, you, you've worked with some really fucking strong people, right? And, mm. and Jody's really strong. You work with Ben, he's a fucking freak, but what would you say is, is the draw to your training crew? Or do you have a training crew right now? Currently right now, it's just Jody and I We're I'm kind of in one of those transition phases where I'm not, really i'm regular with the gym but i'm not even going to the same gym every time it's kind of one of those fucking in between down phases yeah um so i don't really have uh, a set crew I'm, I'm really looking forward to the crew that we're going to have in texas because um for event day it's going to be me jody uh terry rady and um i've got another guy down there who's coming up in the open division who should have his pro car in the next year or so um i don't know if you know eric carlson but he's down that way um, and then I'm actually, uh, Terry's been bugging me about getting back on the mat and jujitsu. So, uh, I'm looking to start grappling a little bit more, just at least for health purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, as far as crews, some of the coolest ones I've been in Dirk's crew, uh, yeah. Adam Dirks and Kim Dirks, especially when they have, uh, Evan Singleton around, mm-hmm. um, and, Trevor, I forget his last name, but you've got, you know, he's got, he's got another guy who's still an amateur pressing 430 logs and Trevor's loading 500 pound stones and Adam's loading 550s. Uh, Evan's doing literally whatever he feels like doing. <laughs> um, and then as far as bodybuilding, uh, MI40 was amazing. Adam Bremer is one of those old school coaches who's kind of unknown as much because he doesn't get on the social media, but he's the head coach at that, at that gym. And it's like, you'll have a good two or three different crews coming in throughout the day. You know, I'm, I'm talking Nick Walker and, uh, um, Kamal are 
one of the crews along with a, a, a board shorts pro and then Adam himself that's that's one of their crews that's those guys are fucking three of them are top three in their division every single year and well not Nick but he will be you know yeah um, right and then so like that like see, seeing shit like that where like you know you've got really big names on social media but when you're actually looking at their training and their coach it's like you don't even see what what's actually going on and how fucking badass this is and how unique this crew is and then you know, I spent some time out at Generation Strength with uh, Chris Bridgeford, and that one will fucking blow your mind because you walk in and it's like you kind of look around and you're like, oh, yeah, these are just some normal dudes just taking powerlifting as just a fun hobby. But you start looking closer and everyone's benching mid fours, pulling over seven and, you know, squatting mid sixes up to 800 pounds. And that's just kind of the, you know, all the females are squatting four and pulling four and that's just kind of the general standard in there and no one really thinks anything of it that's just like their lower lifters you know hmm. um so it's just it's really fucking cool to see some rooms like that especially coming from west michigan where there is literally nothing um yeah. impressive going on <laughs> <laughs> but and it's and it's those types of crews and, and just i mean it you're very much similar to me in this regard as well as like, you just acquire so much knowledge, just being in the space, just like yeah. watching, you're like, what the fuck is going it's, on here? It's the rules of evolution and adaptation, right? A bigger pond, you're going to get bigger. Absolutely. And, and it's, and I think that it's a, uh, a very cool thing for, for people to do is like, they get so locked in. It's like, I go to this gym at this time all the time. It's like, mm -hmm. just kind of, spread your wings and fly here a little bit fucking take a drive to another gym take it up go on the weekend and just kind of see a new crew a new space you know you just learn can you can you imagine how detrimental that would be to young bros ego that would be very painful sam <laughs> can't have that it's gonna make a fucking t-shirt can you imagine your young bro fucking ego is dying <laughs> that's your Hello. ego right like you can tell people that have gotten their ass kicked yeah <laughs> you can definitely tell the people that have had hard shit happen to that's them. why that's why i talk shit is because you're never going to be able to kick my ass harder than it's been kicked yeah no nobody makes me bleed my own blood that's right <laughs> <laughs> no it, but it, and it's funny because like strongman is it, it can be fucking painful i don't know how many fucking Instagram posts of you there are bleeding. <laughs> you tried to take your own fucking head off with a circus dump a couple months ago. <laughs> Trying to get a t-shirt design off that one, too. <laughs> Nobody cares that I locked out 250. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, how's your head? It's fine. Did you see that I locked it out, basically? <laughs> well, that's like the best way to go is, is hit a right. PR. Let it fucking crush your skull and have a, something in the will that says your your teammates have to come in and load the bar up with more weight. Oh, yeah. Can you, can you imagine, like, the, the depletion plus the high? Dude, I was on a different fucking level when that happened. It was amazing. You're, yeah, you're on a different planet. <laughs> you're just all sorts of fucked up. So one of the other things that I, that I appreciate about you is that your openness to talk about 
drugs to talk about like any sort of recovery, like fucking you smoke weed all the time and it's awesome. And uh, how do you incorporate weed into your sort of lifestyle, into your training? Because I know people that do it all the time and I know people that actually do it just like as a recovery aid. Yeah, I do it all the time. Um, I pretty, I, I'm very like intense. And even in my thought process, I find sometimes that I'm just very like, um, not necessarily like aggression, like anger, but just like a lot going on. And mm-hmm. it just really helps me to keep things a little bit slower. You're right. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, no, so. absolutely. And that's, it's funny, Adam was talking about, because you guys had met years ago, right? Like you guys. Yeah, met- it's, it's funny how we meet. We like meet randomly and have never had more than just a, just a dab session together. You know, we just right. like hang out. And- <laughs> but it was funny because Adam was, was, I was, I was talking to him about, about you and Ben. And it was, he was saying that having you two in a room talking about training, it felt like he was on a fucking alien spaceship. Because it was like you guys were so locked in, and he was like, "What the fuck are they talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah, we have actually come up with like, so Ben and I have like literally invented terms and phrases to like describe training shit mm-hmm. to one another because that's all it is. Like, if you look at one of my programs, I'll, I'll send you one if you want. But you look at one of my programs, it'll have percentage rpe rir and description next to it mm-hmm. and sometimes all of them will be filled out sometimes it'll just be one or two sometimes it'll just be one of them but we've been really paying attention to like what resonates and how with the athlete and all of those things are just trying to communicate a certain effort level but someone might see rpe and say oh, that means max. And then someone might see three reps in reserve and say, oh, okay. But in my opinion, that's RPA, both however way you cut it. Mm-hmm. It just depends. It just matters how you get them to get it done, right? Right. So, yeah, right. We, we've come up with, like, systems like that where it's like, because the only systems out there are, like, you know, Olympic athletes and old school guys and stuff like that where there's they have invented their terms and – a lot of times they're just complicated and way over people's heads. And so, you know, just, just like you would come up with a cue for an athlete. And have you seen, and that's so similar to how Andy would program as well. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any of his programs, how he describes some of the sets? I have not. No. So he has different verbiage as well. He says like robotic Mm. and like his heaviest, heaviest fuck off sets or like he just vibe yeah. out, just lose yourself. Okay. I've you seen know? some stuff like that. Yeah. 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 So, I like that. Yeah. I do too, because it, it's, you're taking into account the perception of the client of, of the language that they have, the ability to describe uh, yep. a situation and how they feel in that situation. So that shows such a in-depth level of give a fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Clients. Right, because you're not only trying to get them from point A to point B, you're doing it in their language, which yeah. is so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. He had to, he had to sit there and think, how can I make this better and better and better for, for them? You know, mm. that's 
that's really cool. Not many people do that. And it's and for for your athletes and the people you work with, your strongman competitors, you have that language of understanding, saying like, "All right, we're gonna do this until you're fucking want to vomit." But right. even within that level, there are mm. levels to that, right? right. And it's like right. what you're trying to get across and what their experience with that level of work may just be so different mm-hmm. that it would take time, obviously, to be able to put yourself in a situation where you can use the, you know, they know exactly what you mean with the things that you say and when yeah. you say. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's the net. That's the level that I think young coaches need to aspire to mm-hmm. is because at no point were you talking about just the X's and O's. You were talking about the, the actual feelings, uh, reality of the person that you're talking to. Yeah. It's, yeah. Fucking, it's it, once, this is why I need to get high more is because <laughs> once you start thinking about this shit, you're like, Oh, how do I communicate in their language? What's their language? Yeah. Is it physical? Is it emotional? Is it like, there are so many variables to training and that once you start kind of thinking about it, then I'm not high enough for it. So. And that's why coaching can be such a place of like power and manipulation. And you have to be super careful with the way that you do these things and talk to an athlete because there are psychological responses from progress, failure, mm-hmm. you know, training over time, fatigue, all that stuff, like, you know, causes slightly different fucking thought processes and emotions and all that. And um, you look to your coach, you know, for, for a lot of things that are like, that like, can really affect your psyche and the way that you view yourself and the reason that you make decisions and stuff like that. So, you, you know, being very intentional and making sure that like, there's never any sort of like, Oh, they could have taken that the wrong way. Or they think the, the thing that is important for me is that they know that this is their choice and they can do whatever they want. They push this as far as they want. I'm here to just help them do what they want to do the best that they can. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know where I'm going with this exactly. I just kind of find that, uh, it's, it is very important to be intentional about the way that you talk to your athletes because you can really, really fuck with someone's head and not even realize that you're doing it. Right. Absolutely. And one of the things that I tell my clients is like, listen, during this entire process, you're the captain of this ship. You dictate yes. where we're going. I'm the fucking co-pilot making sure we don't crash into shit. I'm your employee. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And it's that level of care that I think separates great coaches from just like the run of the mill coaches, because mm-hmm. how you like, you know how to get them there, like in terms of reps and sets, in terms of periodization, but it's like, how can you filter that knowledge? through their eyes and their lens of understanding, yep. right? And their experiences too. Because if all yep. of a sudden you turn into a hard ass and their last coach was a hard ass and like they have this negative response, they're not going to do as well with the same reps, the same sets and the same program if they don't feel they're supported. 
if they exactly. feel as if they're being belittled, if they exactly. feel as if they are not a member of a team. But yeah. then you also have athletes that it's like some masochistic motherfuckers, and it's just like try to kill me every yes. week, and they yes. respond to that. Yes. No. I. So where I learned this was actually in high school with my high school coach. He was one of the best coaches in the world, in my opinion, when it comes to this type of like caring for the athletes communication part. I was in a point in my life where no one had told me that I wasn't special yet. And I hadn't had that like, you know, I've got my ass kicked on the mat, but I hadn't had that like true mental mm -hmm. humbling yet. And there's another one of my teammates um, so, so my coach was just constantly just like, he would never give me the time of day, you know, when he would want to motivate me to go out on the mat, it would be like, yeah, well, Taylor's probably going to lose this one because statistically this, that, and the other thing, like, so I don't really believe that you're going to win. And then he'd be putting his arm around this other guy, you know, complimenting him and building him up. And then years later, sit down and have a couple drinks with this guy and we start talking like because we both noticed those differences like how he would talk to different athletes and it was like it was looking back and i was like man he comforted you and he was an asshole to me but mm -hmm. if he would have coddled me i would have never made it and if he was an asshole to you you would have never made it because that's all you were getting at home and that's all i was getting at home and mm -hmm. there was no so he's it was just fucking amazing to me that he saw that especially at like this is someone who has 50 kids a year and it's, he loses some and gets new ones every four years. And it's just like that, that level of coaching where it's just like um, over and over and over again. And I had transferred into the school. I was only with him for a year. And so it was like the fact that you guys are recognizing this stuff and intentionally doing it at such a huge scale is amazing to me. Hmm. Yeah, that's hard, man. As, as someone who's worked with high school teams and whatnot in the past, it's it's hard enough to remember their fucking names, let alone yeah. the sort of coaching that they need. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I give your give your coach their credit because that shit like that's and it and it really I say this like every episode. It really boils down how much someone gives a shit about what they're doing, and it's like yeah. he really cared, right? And the yeah. fact that he could sit down and have a couple of drinks with you a couple of years later, and then be able to explain that to you. And it's like, fuck, it's like, yeah. it wasn't just being a dick, right? No, dude, the, as, as soon as my career ended with him, he put his arm around me and gave me a cheeseburger and just yeah. like, like nothing ever happened. And I was like, what is this about? You know, but it's like, <laughs> I look back and I'm, I'm glad I wish he was harder on me. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, I, it, and it is that, that variability from person to person is super important. I imagine even within clients that you have, like how you address them, what you say, how you say it can, can oh, yeah. vary tremendously from person to person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I, we are running at about the hour ish mark, but man, fuck, we are, you're going to be on again. A hundred percent. Awesome, man. This is really great talking to you. This is I'm serious. Let's do a seminar together. That'd be fucking cool. Let's do it, man. You, you let me know your schedule and we can figure something out, but okay. now where can everybody find you? You have the best fucking Instagram name I've ever seen in my life, by the way. <laughs> Taylor Drawl. My coaching <laughs> makes you stronger than Super Drawl. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good, man. So where obviously they can find you on Instagram, but do you have any uh, uh, products coming out, any programs coming out, anything like that going on? Uh, this is the, 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 that's kind of the stuff that I'm working on right now. But the um, the YouTube is starting to come along. 
Um, Instagram is pretty much my really only thing right now. It's something I got to get better at. But um, yeah, nothing, nothing as of right now. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm bad at the. I'm bad at the. Fucking oh, please, you're good. You're fantastic at <laughs> everything you do. <laughs> but uh, all right, man. Well, thank you very much again. Truly appreciate it. Yeah, and, thank you for having me on, man. Let's talk again soon, all right? Dude, absolutely. Here we go. Um,